Aloha. This is the second season of the Decolonizing Medicine podcast. My guest today is Reverend Priestess Zayanara, holistic health coach, that's H-O-E as in heaven on earth. Reverend is an ordained minister, founder of Taste and See Heaven on Earth Ministries, ancestral medicine keeper and holistic health coach, and educator, bringing heaven to earth by honoring heaven within, educating at the intersection between science, spirit, sex, and sensuality. Their practice centers Afro-Indigenous pleasure-based holistic healing and expressive artistry through the activation of ancestral cellular DNA with mystical nourishment, sexological shamanism, creation, and play. They specialize in holistic functional nutrition, intuitive somatic bodywork, hypnotherapy, sacred sexuality, and an original channeled energy medicine modality called vocal toning energy massage. The holistic health coach integrates modern access with ancient ancestral mystical traditions. If you are new to this podcast, my name is Jamie Panetta. I use he, him pronouns, and I am a queer, non-binary trans person, and my ancestors are Tagalog and Chinoy. I am also a practitioner of Hilot and Chinese medicine. I practice in person at Fruit Camp in Baltimore, Maryland, as well as virtually. Now let's get on with our show. Reverend Zayanara, welcome to the Decolonizing Medicine Podcast. I am so happy that you're here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We first met, what, like a back in February in a class yes. uh, where we spent several weeks together and we were just, you know, talking in our, in our pre-recording chat about how we, we haven't actually talked that much about the work that we're doing. We were talking about other topics yeah. during this class. So I'm just so thrilled and excited to hear about your work. Hey, thank you. Um, yeah. So I do a lot of things, but um, essentially, <clears throat> sorry, I consider it to be like a, a modern or Western, I don't know, like version of, you know, ancestral medicine keeping. And um, so it's, it's medicinal work and it's artistic and creative work. Um, there's a strong root or a connection, you know, to sacred sexuality practices that I use in my health practice. So I am the holistic health coach and it's spelled H-O-E um, to be like a play on ho, but it's also heaven on earth. Um, and that was very intentional that the sacred sexuality is at the root of what I'm doing with the health coaching, that it's, that they're intertwined in there together. Um, and really essentially as I've, you know, continued to do this for a few years, realized that the, the root of people's health issues is very similar to how, um, sacred sexuality practices address, 
um, when there are obstructions in the flow of energy in an individual, they manifest, those issues manifest exactly the same way. Um, So whether I'm doing a health coaching uh, session specifically or I'm just doing energy work, which those are the two things that I mainly do um, for clients specifically, um, I am looking at where there are obstructions in someone's energy body and how that is manifesting in um, issues in their health. And so we do an assessment where I ask all the health questions and I use my own interpretation of the biopsychosocial spiritual model, which makes it the biopsychosocial sexual model, sexual spiritual model. And, um, and then we do an energy uh, scan and healing session um, as a part of the health coaching session as well. That's so dense. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so many different layers yeah. coming into working with you. Um, I, I would love to hear more about how you are blending art and healing. Like, so what does that, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so I grew up singing like every year that they offered choir in school. Um, and so that was since I was, I don't know, like a very young child. And even before that I was singing all the time. And so, um, I am a multidimensional multidisciplinary artist and I do many disciplines but singing has been the the main form of medicine for myself as well as my like primary um, creative outlet and over time I realized that I I was using it medicinally for myself Um, I would like if, if I felt certain things going on in my body I just intuitively would start humming or chanting or singing, like even as a child. Um, And when I was in school, I, in high school, I went to a visual and performing arts academy and I loved it and I loved performing. But what I realized is like the reason why I loved it was because it was so healing for me. Um, And it was having that creative outlet was also therapeutic at the same time. So it was therapeutic to express myself, but I also realized that it was therapeutic to like feel the vibrations of my voice and my body and sort of move energy around doing that. And then I realized that I can do this for other people. Um, So then I just started practicing. I practiced on our teacher, Joy from the class. I practiced on a lot of people. Um, And so the same way that like, and hypnotherapy, essentially, you're going into a trance state. Um, they've done like the studies that show when people are deep into their their art, their creative, whatever that is, whether they're writing or they're painting or they're singing or dancing. It's the same like trance state that's being activated. Um, and so what I'm doing in the energy healing is kind of doing a combination of both of those things. And it's channeling, but I'm I'm using my voice to do that, that energy healing, to do that sound healing, um, the same way that I would move things in my own body, um, that way 
I will do that for the client. And it is very hard to explain, <laughs> but <laughs> that's, that's the best that I can probably have. But yeah, that's kind of how they, where they bridge together. Yeah. So what you're saying is people should sign up for a session with you <laughs> to experience it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really it. It's like you kind of have to experience it to really um, get it. And I, I also realized, too, that um, I have to have a when I put that when I first put this out there, I had to have a vetting process so that only like really spiritual practitioners can get access to it because it's so dense. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I just want to throw somebody into the deep end <laughs> uh, because it, it it's a very intense experience. Um, and I don't, I, I've been hesitant to use the word shaman, but then I got a session from someone and they were like, this is very deep shamanic work. And I was like, well, if somebody else says it, then I'll, I'll, I'll say that because I do think that it is a much easier way to explain that, that that is essentially what's happening. It's very, um, sometimes it is just, I'm just in someone's energy body and moving around and helping them to release whatever they need to release or shift whatever needs to be shifted but there have been times where I've gone on whole ancestral journeys with people's ancestors um traveled back to their home dimensions crazy shit so <laughs> I don't just want to do that for or attempt to do that for for someone who's not already kind of in that realm I, totally. I just need to be responsible with it so there's some yeah. prerequisites and that's okay yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you, if you're not ready, you don't need to go on that journey. Yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So what, um, so you talked a little bit about how you, how you came into it, but what focused you on wanting to bring this as healing, like a healing modality to other people? Because you mm -hmm. could have just, you know, you could have just kept it to yourself or kept it really small, but you're like, okay, yeah. this is becoming an offering to a greater yeah. audience. Hmm. I don't know. I think I, I'm very curious about things. And I was just like, I need to see how this interacts with other people. And if it has this impact on me, then I'm sure it will be helpful to other people. Um, there's always... In, in the city where I'm from, and I feel like also just in the spiritual community in general at large, like this sort of inclination to like go get a Reiki certification. And I don't feel like most people's whatever they're calling Reiki is actually Reiki, um, which is fine, but did not calling it that <laughs> you know uh -huh. i think it's like it's become a catch-all term for energy medicine um and i wish more people would just honor it like no this is energy medicine but i don't think it's reiki and so that kind of made me like want to stay away from that altogether um i have studied it but i haven't you know sought um or gotten a formal education a formal training in it um, and then actually I had tried to, and like, 
so many things happened ancestrally and the long story short is that it just didn't feel right for me mm-hmm. um the way that i guess it was being brought to me um and that on its own actually like really pushed my curiosity of like well if everyone is sharing energy medicine let's explore that some and then the part that happened after that was like i got my start in all of this in terms of actually working one-on-one with people through massage school and i started doing student massages for donations with like friends and family but when i was in school uh, that's when the the energy medicine that was coming through my hands activated. Um, and people would ask me, well, are you are you doing Reiki? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And that so that's that's really when it started to be like, OK, this is this is something that I'm already giving to people through the massage. So I want to explore this more. And then and then it was like. I'm in school and everyone around me is like, Reiki, Reiki, Reiki. And then I get out of school, everyone online is like, Reiki, Reiki, Reiki. And it's like, okay, clearly people want energy medicine. And this, whatever this is, is activated for me. And I want to play with it. And so I took, I took a few years to play with it and experiment, like just working with myself. Um, And then it was like, when I'm doing health coaching assessments, when I'm doing nutrition assessments, which I was doing for this whole time, um, towards the tail end of being in massage school, I realized that I was doing, even in those sessions, I'm doing energy work, trying to tap into like, okay, well, what's really going on intuitively with this person? Um, And then learned that like, that's a field literally called medical intuition. And so it all just sort of over time, just all like mushed together. Um, It's like, well, I'm here doing the health coaching assessment. I'm doing some type of intuitive energy work right now. I've done massage, kind of taking a break with massage, but I'm still doing this energy work that's, you know, through the hands. And then the singing modality, it it all just over time just globbed together and so it was like well I might as well do this in a client session if I'm already doing sessions with clients anyway uh-huh. so whether it was a massage session or the health coaching session I realized that energetically I'm doing the same thing because I want to understand the root of whatever it is whether they're having uh, like joint mobility problems or they're having like high blood pressure, like I'm using the same sort of mechanisms to understand what's going on with them on a deeper level. And you don't have to call it Reiki. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's all, it's your own, your own sensory input that you're getting your own intuition that you're getting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that, well, I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I, there's something weird about the the marketing of of Reiki, yeah, and, and using that to kind of brand whatever and like every culture, every person has some kind of energy medicine accessible mm-hmm. to them, yeah. So 
it's yeah. it's just really cool to hear that you've been in touch with these gifts and it's it's just like no matter what you do you're automatically healing people yeah which i think is really rad Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um which brings me to my next question and it's it's about the term alternative medicine mm-hmm. um i'm curious what your thoughts are on that term and especially as it pertains to medicines from people of the global majority mm-hmm. aka bipoc yeah yeah uh it's hilarious it's disrespectful <laughs> it's racist it's insulting and it's just incorrect um I, it it's funny because allopathic conventional medicine and the timeline of medicine is extremely new. And so the idea that things that are not that should be called alternative just literally doesn't make sense. Like yep. by the definition of what an alternate is, <laughs> it would be secondary. <laughs> I a thousand percent agree with that. Chinese yeah. medicine is like 5,000 years old or whatever. Yeah. Every community in the world has some kind of herbalism because we all are near some kind of plant. Yeah. And, yeah. and we all have energy. Yes. Yeah. And it just like blows my mind that that is the alternative. It's like if, if what we're doing doesn't work, you can go back to what people have been doing way before this. But we don't know if it works. And so right. <laughs> like I was in massage school and we had a class called Jin Shindo. And uh, which for people who may not know is the acupressure version of acupuncture. Um, which we were taught a little bit of to integrate into our massage. Um, but we weren't taught actual acupressure. Anyway, so um, it was a cool class, but it was taught by a Caucasian woman. She was very lovely, but she There's played so many us- nice white people. <laughs> Yes, they're very nice. I was like, not, you know, she, God bless her, you know, she played a documentary for us. <laughs> and it was, oh, God. It, I just, I wanted to scream the whole time because it was about a white man. It was from like the 80s. It was hilarious. You know, it's got like the 80s, like dad jeans on. And he's he's like, I'm leaving America. I'm going to China because I want to learn about Chinese medicine. I want to see if it's legitimate or not. So he's got, you know, his whatever metrics of legitimacy he's packed in his suitcase. And he's decided he's going to go investigate and he's an explorer. He's an explorer. And <laughs> oh, it was just, no. It was maddening to me because they're literally like, yeah, this is 5,000 years old, but we're not sure if it works or not. <laughs> and people, they're there and they're doing it and they're talking about like the grandmas in the park and they're doing stuff. And they're like, this whole culture, they believe in this. And, and he's like, but I'm still skeptical. And I just... I was like, why are you showing us this? This is, I don't even see the benefit of it. Like, I would rather watch a documentary that's like on how this 
modality, how this tradition, how this actually works. Um, but that wasn't what it was. It was entirely this Western scope of this medicine that's, I'm not even going to say it more controversial, but that's older than conventional allopathic medicine with this incredibly disrespectful type of skepticism, which is different than saying, I don't understand this. I am not in the culture that would give me the context to understand this. You know, it was just like, well, I don't get it. So it must be wrong. Um, But I think she thought it was good for us to see him in the end sort of kind of halfway validated like thinking it's oh it's the merging of east and west but it's but it it's never that's never what's happening what's happening is like white people going hey that we've we've given this the seal of approval mm-hmm. and that is what the term alternative medicine feels like to me now as far as white people are concerned if herbalism is the second place that they go like western herbalism is the second place that they go or european herbalism that's fine you don't need to and in, and in, in insert yourself into things that are not familiar to you if you don't want to you know like Mm-hmm. That's that's fine, but it's still the overall ideal that it's secondary and that exclusively comes from racism. This idea that people of color cannot create something that is independently valid without the acknowledgement of white people of the West of colonizer perspective. And it's supervisory. It's condescending. That, mm-hmm. that like it's you've been doing this for literally forever, but you need our we need to make sure that you know how to do this right, you know, in a way that is works with our, our regulations and our laws, but which we can't do because we don't understand how it works in the first place. And we're terrible at regulating our own shit. Yeah. Like, the massage yeah. therapy board here is a mess. <laughs> it's tragic. So, mm-hmm. I could go on literally forever, but that yeah, answers the question. Too. I mean, it, it's it's a pet peeve for me, too, because I feel like I get the most um, pushback from white folks who want to ask me, well, does it work? Does acupuncture work? Does heal at work? And I'm like, no, 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 no. You have it backwards. I'm not auditioning and trying to prove anything to yes. you. If you want to work with me, you need to prove that you're gonna come like you're gonna yeah. come respectful over to yeah. to my medicine. Yes. And then maybe we can talk about it. Right. But I'm not here for right. you. No. And at your your understanding or your acceptance of it is not necessary. Your opinion is not necessary. You even knowing what the fuck this is is not necessary. Exactly. For it to be valid. We've been doing it before we even knew, knew y'all were here. Right. Mm-hmm. You were new. <laughs> not me. 
<laughs> and then you try to take it and then you do weird stuff with it. And like for what? I just Yeah. Yeah. Just, just ask, bring someone in who, you know, this is their medicine. Right. And respect it. And they that that that's the issue is that they they can't have that. That, mm. that we are the authority on anything. Even our own shit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So alternative throw that word away. <laughs> That's the conclusion. Yep. It's there is no alternative medicine. No, it's not. It's yours or it's not yours. Right. That. That's it. That's the tagline. And then maybe if it's not yours, you get invited into it. Right. So Yeah. Yeah. So this leads me to my next question very nicely. Mm-hmm. Um what have you witnessed from yourself and others as modern medicine keepers emerging in post-colonial generations? Mm. So like one of the observations I've had, especially during pandemic times is like, I'm seeing a lot of folks of color, especially queer and trans folks of color, like getting into their ancestral medicine, like really Mm -hmm. getting into their ancestral connections and like searching deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them going towards being practitioners, some of them just like, you know, focusing on their own healing and community healing. But Mm -hmm. yeah, like what, what have you observed? Oh, we tend to be the quote unquote black sheep of the family. It's very often. Oh yeah. We're weirdos. Yeah, yeah, because because we're tapped in, and there the very painful process of realizing that your family is mentally more deeply colonized than you are, because none of us are totally fully out of the matrix we're all affected, the time. All of us, right, right. So you know that and. Even even if they're like, okay, you're you know doing your thing, it's there's still a sense of distance, um, often. So there's that, and so um, especially as queer people of color, reconnecting with the ancestral medicine, the the theme of chosen family is very present, uh, prevalent, mm-hmm. um, and finding spiritual community in in the same way um of finding other people that are accepting of your whole self um so there's that part and it's just for me it's been like even though i have a very different experience where my grandmother um, was Catholic, but also, you know, using tarot cards and crystals and all of those things from a young age. So I'm really lucky that I was exposed to all of that. Like for a lot of people right now, it's very new, but like I always had that around. Can I and just people- say Catholics are some of the witchiest fucking people yes! who won't yes! admit that they're the witchiest fucking people? <laughs> yes. She, she didn't fully say witch, but she was very very aware of like there being something that was spiritual outside of the religion Mm -hmm. right and within the religion 
as well that was more than what was like on the surface um so being into like occult christianity the tarot the crystals and the rosary beads and she's doing the prayers three times a day every day no exceptions we're at the pool or at the beach it doesn't matter um so i saw that and i was always reading all of these religious books she had um she had a copy of the quran and um, a bunch of other spiritual texts so she wasn't exclusive in like you know, some people are like, well, I don't know what they're doing. I just, you know, but, but she she wasn't, you know, um, she was always very curious about what other people are doing. And um, we have the same moon signs. So we're like extremely similar. So we were really close growing up. And um, so I had that exposure. And so it, I started out as as a weirdo. Like people people knew me for being like, like a Jesus freak, but also carrying around an astrology textbook and asking everyone when their birthday was, like in middle school and high school. So I kind of was lucky that I had someone to affirm me, but a lot of people don't. Um, like people was, cause my grandma was like doing psychic readings and people were like, she's crazy. No, I'm like, she's fun. You just don't get it. <laughs> Like, she knows what she's talking about. So, uh, but the patterns I've noticed, uh, it's a lot of suffering, to be honest. Uh, like, when we find each other, it's fun. But before then, and even still, like, I have a friend who is, oh my, like, so deeply in the other realm, right? In the spiritual realm. And... Which is not that they're really separate, but it's an easier way to explain that. But it's really, really hard for them to be, you know, in this society while being really like should be deep in a bayou somewhere in a wooden like house, just like foraging and and hunting everything and then if people need them they have to you know mm -hmm. come down from the mountain and all that to get to the, like that's really where they should be like that's how intense that is um and for a lot of us that the 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 struggle is that the gifts don't care that we're in a colonial society that we're in a totally different system now than our ancestors were. So the gifts are going to come through regardless. The challenge is that we don't have the same protocols in place of having a grandmother and great grandmother and people in the village that like know this baby's coming and these are the gifts they're going to have and being able to prepare them and go through all of those rituals and protocol um before and mm -hmm. during and after when they're born like we don't have most of us don't have access to that and i i probably had the the closest thing to that through my grandmother but it still wasn't the the same exact thing and so like being able to have a, a an easeful navigation of life with being so deeply spiritually inclined and the world 
that is very the antithesis of that um i love how you i really love how you framed that because to me that points out how um colonization it destroys the structures of our healthcare systems of our spiritual care systems yeah because it's literally creating environments that are hostile to people who have gifts Mm -hmm. yeah to people who are supposed to show up in Mm -hmm. multiple realities at the same time yes to access information access energy or whatever because i just like um so i'm autistic and i i'm just thinking about how Mm -hmm. If you're living in multiple realities and accessing a lot of different um, planes of existence, mm-hmm. that like how stimulating that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like that, that's just a lot. That would be a lot for anyone, regardless of whether or not they're autistic. Right. Just like thinking like, oh shit, like you're, you're looking at multiple layers all the time, like mm-hmm. constantly. Everything's mm-hmm. in like 5D. Yeah. Like, yeah. of course you want to live out in the woods somewhere on the edge of town. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of input. It's a lot. And that's also the thing that a lot of us are going to be, um, the translation is going to be a term for neurodivergence, usually, very often. And without the recognition of their being a spiritual at least connection i would like to say root but some people may not feel comfortable with that with that whatever resonates connection between the two um without that knowledge there's no in the context that our society has this stigma against neurodivergence there's no positive way to engage with it if you don't know that there's a spiritual reason or a connection or use for it. Um, like, I got diagnosed with sensory processing disorder, which some people will say is a form of autism. Some people will say it's an aspect of autism. But e- either way, it basically means that I have hyper and hypo responses to sensory input. So, like, my brain goes, this is louder than it actually is, or the volume is much lower than it actually is. Um, And then years later to discover, oh, I have ancestral roots in a very uh, specific tradition that um, utilizes the senses to to spiritually connect right and and do perform alchemy and medicine oh well that makes sense then and now i have a positive way to engage with it and not in like a spirit quote-unquote spirit washing kind of a way but it's literally like well this makes so much more sense than just saying something's wrong with you we don't know what it is go away right Mm -hmm. um and it puts into perspective, well, if form follows function, as is the rule in physiology, then my form would facilitate the natural function of these gifts to 
be so that I am literally physiologically shaped in such a way where I can perform these gifts like that's what it's for that's why it's happening and now I can engage with it so differently I can use it like I know what I need to do and it's been like all of these years of like continuing to like tweak this and perfect this mechanism like you would you know any other mechanical system mm-hmm any any organism of nature where it's mm-hmm. that organism is like perfectly suited to what it's suited for. Yes. And yeah. We are, we are all like that. We just are not always in the environment that we should be in. Exactly. Now it's time for our community shout out. Every episode, we do a community shout out to a BIPOC individual or a group doing awesome work in our communities. Um, This is an opportunity to uplift them and encourage others to redistribute resources to them. So who would you like to shout out today? Can I do more than one? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, um... My friend Loretta at Biotunes on Instagram, B-I-O-T-U-N-E-S. She does this really cool thing where she hooks up plants to an EKG and she makes music with them. It's so cool. Um, She also does ceremonies with coffee and cannabis um, and a myriad of other plants. So... She's definitely someone uh, to look into and um, support. Um, And then I'm going to shout out my mentors who are also clients. Uh, Rish Tatera. She is just a magical hoodoo practitioner. She's just an overall awesome human being. Her company is called The Nine Minds Radio. It's a podcast and also just like a community, I, I don't know, community activism resource power space. Um, I think she just started doing homeschooling as well, adding, adding to that. So she's constantly adding new things to that. And she is a filmmaker. She's in the process of making a documentary on hoodoo. Um, so that is a great place to put your money to as well. Um, and then Joy Tabernacle, our teacher. We love Joy. Joy's just, you can't even explain Joy. <laughs> she's just pure magic. Um, she's a spiritual life coach. She's a miracle activator and liberator. And uh, she's just fucking brilliant. So just. If she's doing a class, go take it. <laughs> I agree. I second that. <laughs> so this brings us to our last question of this episode. And it is, what wisdom would you like to share for folks who are coming into their own as healers and or artists? 
Hmm. <sighs> probably that if you don't feel a little bit insane, you're probably not in alignment with your authenticity. So, like, go with that. If you feel if you feel a little bit insane, if you're doubting that what you're doing is real or true, you're probably doing it right. Because whatever it is that you're doing is the antithesis to everything that upholds this paradigm and everything mm-hmm. that is called real. It's just really all illusion. You got to break so your reality. You have to break your reality. Exactly. So if you feel like you're not in reality, that means you're in truth. So go with it. Keep going with it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rev. I love that. Thank you for having me. So this is a new thing that I'm doing with uh, my Patreon members, and I'll be announcing folks who join my Patreon on this show as a big public thank you for all their support. So for this episode, we've got Ever Palace, Danielle Luz-Belanger, and Jake Ricafrente. Thank you so much for being part of the Decolonizing Medicine podcast and for joining my Patreon. For folks who are part of the Patreon, those funds go to captioning these episodes to make them a little more accessible and also two scholarships for QT BIPOC Qigong workshops. And speaking of Qigong workshops, I'll be teaching a QT BIPOC Qigong workshop at the Philadelphia Trans Wellness Conference, which is July 21st through 23rd. This is an all virtual and free conference for folks to attend. Um, The only charges, as far as I can tell, are if you want to get CEUs for through the professional track. And I'll put a link to the conference registration page in the show notes. We are going to have some crossover episodes coming with Rebecca Nunziato of the Decolonizing Everything podcast. She recorded an interview with me um, back in February. So that is now available on the Decolonize Everything podcast. And I'll be recording with her in early July. And that'll probably come out around September or October of this year. Rebecca is awesome. I highly recommend checking out her podcast. Every time I listen to her, something brilliant comes out and I learn something new. Best way to keep up with my work is to join my email newsletter at jamie-panetta-lac.com. Maraming salamat for listening to the Decolonizing Medicine podcast. If you want to support this work via Patreon or apply to be a guest on the show, go to linktree slash Jamie Panetta Healing Arts. Music is by Amber Ojeda, Head Candy, and Rocky Marciano. Big thanks to Kuan McCann for audio engineering all of the episodes. And last but not least, thank you to all our listeners and supporters out there. Ingat. Ingat.